there is a continuing all-out assault on uh, biblical Christianity. There is a group of people here in America that are described as progressive Christians. In essence, they're not Christians at all because they have an aberrant form of the Christian faith. In other words, it's a false Christianity. It's a pseudo-Christianity. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up because there is a tremendous danger in listening to those who will twist the scripture to their own ends. And this is what I mean. Anyone who does not receive or accept or embrace the biblical gospel and exchange it for another one is an, is an idolater. In other words, they are worshiping a false God. They have created an image of who they want God to be. And most people walking the earth, even those who are professing to be Christians, they want to twist and mold the God of the Bible like Plato and make God fit their sensibilities, their, their passions, their thought processes, their moods. And because the God of the Bible oftentimes does and says things that offends our sensibilities. And when we don't like that, people have decided to abandon the God of the Bible and create a God that is in their own image, but that is not the God of the Bible. That is a false God, and that makes that person an idolater. All right. So I happened to watch a two-film documentary on the American gospel, and film number one dealt with the health and wealth gospel, the uh, prosperity movement or the positive confession movement. Also, it's called uh, Name It and Claim It. I'll talk about that perhaps in another. Um, I will talk about that in another segment, in another episode, but not this one. And the second film talked about the whole deal about these progressive, quote unquote, Christians, those who do not like the God of the Bible, because one of their main problems is that they have a problem with the idea that God sent the Son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of the world. In other words, why did God the Father punish his Son to redeem mankind? In other words, they don't like the idea that God is angry and God is also a God of wrath and a God of justice as well as being a God of love and a God of mercy. They want they don't have a problem with the mercy part. They don't have a problem with the grace part, but they have a problem with the wrath part. That God is indeed angry. And you have to sit back and ponder, now, why would God be angry? Now, is God angry for no reason at all? Think about it. He's not. God is angry over the wickedness of mankind. And why in the world would people be upset with the fact that God require or requires payment for sin? And who are we 
as mere depraved, wicked, corrupt human beings, how do we have the right or the audacity to think that we can determine how God should act or how God should think? It lets you know how far gone man has degenerated. And what man ultimately has tried to do since the beginning of time, he wants to humanize God and he wants to deify himself. And that's why man decides, okay, I'm going to reject the God of the Bible and I'm going to create a God of my own corrupt mind. And that satisfies them because they, like I said, they can put that God on a string and puppet that God any way that they choose. So what I want to do in the few minutes that I'm sharing with you is, of course, go to the wellspring of life, you know, the everlasting gospel, uh, you know, that uh, that living water, you know, that that we need to receive our uh, our sustenance from and to quench our thirst. So the first thing I want to do is define what an idol is. And in the Hebrew, the word idol, one of the words for idol, there's many words for idol. The one that I want to look at is one called Elil. It's spelled E-L-I-L. And it simply means naught or vain. Naught or vain. In other words, a idol is something that is useless, worthless, vain or vanity and nothing. So a false idol is trash, garbage, something that needs to be burned. And people that worship false idols, it could be a false idea, a false philosophy, a vain worldview. All these are idols. These are things that try to take the place of the God of God of the heavens and the earth, the, the creator of the universe. That Anything that will do that is an idol, is a false God, is a false idea, a fake philosophy, if you would, all right? And so in the Greek, one of the words for idol that I was able to come upon is one called idolon, and it means a phantom or likeness. It also means a, a man-made image that represents a false God. And so because God is not like us, man is offended by that and put off by that. And so to comfort himself, to comfort his, his corruption, to comfort his evil, he makes a God that's more palatable to him. He makes a God that's more acceptable to him. He makes a God like himself. And I thank God that he is not like us because if he was like us, then that's a God that I would not care uh, to worship. And so in Psalm 50 verse 21, the writer says, or the, the psalmist says that God is nothing like us. And of course, in Isaiah chapter 55 verses eight and nine, the prophet says, in regards to God, he says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways 
than your ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, God does not think like us. God does not behave like us. And see, we got this thing twisted around backwards. God is not trying to be like us because that would make God a sinner. We need to be like him. God is not the one looking for redemption. God is the redeemer. You understand what I'm saying? So it's very important that we understand that. And yes, uh, I will be the first to admit there are things about God that are hard to understand. And there are things about God that on a human level will offend us. But God does not care about that. He is not intimidated by man. He's not going to backpedal because man doesn't like what he's doing or what he has declared in his word. God was here before we even we even thought of and when we're gone he will still be here you know controlling the universe in the invisible way that he does it all right so it is very very important and very very essential that we let God be God and 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 I say it that way not that we have to allow God to be God and I'm saying that for our own benefit because it gives us freedom as long as we try to tie God down into a box that we have created then we try we try to put him in bondage and of course that is foolish and that is um that is one who's an ignoramus <laughs> to be honest with you so God is going to be who he is and just because God desires or determines or requires payment for sin that does not make him unjust or make him unkind it actually makes him very gracious and see the problem with us as human beings as human beings is that we don't see our sin for what it really is and Paul talked about that uh, we don't see our sin as exceedingly sinful in other words we don't look at sin as the disease and the cancer that it really is of a soul and how it spreads and how it metastasizes and how it kills kills man the wages of sin is death romans 6 23 says and so god is the one that decided this is how things are going to go in other words when sin is committed the shedding of blood is required and that was that was part of their levitical sacrificial system in the nation of israel in other words innocent animals had to pay the price for sin something that was innocent that committed no wrong had to pay the price and be a substitute for the the sinner and so when that blood was shed that was symbolic of the person being forgiven and so ultimately we as sinful people needed a redeemer so god in eternity past decided to send the son to die now understand this god sent the son and jesus christ the son of god came willingly in other words god didn't force him to come to the earth to die a humiliating death shed his blood and die on a cross as if he was a sinner this was not something where jesus christ was coerced anything that god gives to the son has infinite value and so the gift 
that the Father gave to the Son was a humanity to come and redeem, to come and buy. And how did he buy? Sinful man with his precious blood. So think about it on a human level. Would, I mean, would you be upset if somebody came into your house, they 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 created they they home invaded you and killed your family? Would you just think that's okay? That uh, the the offender, the killer, shouldn't be punished for their their inhumane act, their act of uh, murder and sin and just wickedness? Of course, they need to be punished. They need to be put to death. So that the wickedness that the uh, punishment would fit the crime, right? So in our situation, we could not redeem ourselves. So God sent a sinless human being who also was God Almighty in the person of Jesus Christ to die a sinner's death. So, so he had to come as a human being because only human beings have blood and he had to shed his blood in order to redeem mankind. So for those who have a problem with God punishing his son to redeem mankind is not an act of hate. It is the ultimate expression of love because without the shedding of blood, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, there is no remission of sin. In other words, if Jesus Christ didn't come and shed his blood on Calvary's cross for the sins of humankind, we would all be lost. There would be no hope for anyone. So, it's amazing to me how blind and short-sighted and devil-inspired so many so many people are that that claim to call on the name of the Lord. And so it makes perfect sense to those whose eyes are open that God had to do it this way or this is the way he decided to do it. We don't get to determine for God the rules of engagement. He determined that for himself. He doesn't need our permission to do anything. So, and that's simply the, the way that it is. So, God decided of his own free will, of his own initiative that mankind is lost. In order for him to be redeemed, I'm going to send a substitute to die in his place. Because if I don't do that, then I will just cast everybody to hell without even having an opportunity to repent of sin and to um, be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So to reject that truth, to reject that love, to, re to reject that tenaciousness of God in pursuing man is utter foolishness and stupidity. And if you want to choose your own God, you can. That's your choice, but it is a damning choice. It is a choice that will cause you to be eternally lost unless you genuinely repent of your sins. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I need to read this. And if this doesn't hit home to you who are listening, I guess nothing will. It says this. First uh, Corinthians chapter 16, it says, The salutation of me, Paul, with my own hand. This is verse 21. 
If any man loves not the Lord, let him be anathema. And that word anathema means consigned to eternal destruction or damnation. In other words, we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. If we don't do that, you're cursed. Uh, that That's the same thing as saying uh, a woe, W-O-E, woe is me. In other words, I'm cursed, I'm condemned, I'm damned, I'm hopeless. So it is a command of the Holy Scripture to love the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the only savior that this universe will ever have. You understand what I'm saying? And God requires payment for sin. Someone has to suffer. Someone had to suffer and die for the sins of the world. And God chose his own son for that task. He was the only one qualified to die because he was sinless and he was guiltless, but he died for the sinful and the guilty. So get this out of your mind. Just because the cross is offensive to many and a stumbling block to others, you have to remember it is the ultimate expression of love from God uh, to the Son to human beings. And that's why Jesus was so aggressive in preaching the gospel and commanding people everywhere to repent so that they can be saved because that was the reason why he came. He didn't come, as he said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, to be served. He says, I came to serve and give my life a ransom for many. Amen. That's all I got to say on this one. Take care. I'll talk to you soon.